name's Bond. James Bond. What do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Grow up, 007. <laughs> this never happened to the other fellow. I'm the man. Every penny of it. So you put your money where your mouth is. That's quite a nice little nothing you're almost wearing. I approve. I'll do anything for a woman with a knife. And any small man I never forget! Kill Bond, now! To the right! To the right! To the right! Shocking, positively shocking. You get your clothes on, I'll buy you a nice trade. <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to Double Oz 7, your mother's favourite James Bond podcast. We are back for a very special episode, which is our second episode in our best of the Double Oz 7 clip shows, maybe we can start calling them, um, where we've gathered together some of our favourite moments, uh, mainly the comedic moments, none of this super serious talk, not that you get too much super serious talk in 007 anyway, but this, yeah, as I said, this is our clip show, we've got bits from all of our episodes of our film recaps, this is part two, so it is covering from Diamonds Are Forever, that's a good one, I love that one, uh, as you all know from my stupid rankings, right through to Moonraker, which I have to say is a personal favourite, was a very funny episode to do. Um, so as Ben would say, we are comedic geniuses, uh, through his lens anyway. So we do have some funny moments that we thought we would share with you. And if you don't like listening to them, at least we got some entertainment out of it anyway. So we are selfish sometimes. So sit back, uh, get ready to either laugh or cringe or both and enjoy part two of Double 007's best of funniest moments. Diamonds are forever. Through to Moonraker. Take it away. Diamonds are forever. I am Colin Hergesheimer, here to check on radiation shields. Uh, my name's Noel Groves, and I work for the Acme Pollution Company. I'm just here uh, to clean up the world, and I thought this would be a good starting point. And hi, I'm Ben. Ben O'Toole! No, actually, Ben Waterworth, and uh, I was not named after my father. That's not the first time he's been called Ben O'Toole, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's my nickname for him. Well, not Ben-O, just Tool. <laughs> I like Ben-O, that's all right. <laughs> ben O'Toole. We get to go to Circus Circus, which is basically... Again, no real explanation as to why they have this whole setup with the diamonds and everything there. Um, but this is kind of that, that sequence where you have a lot of little fun things going on in here. I mean, I'm sure everybody has their favorite moment. We're not going to go through them all. Uh, there's Zambora, the gorilla girl. There is the <laughs> elephant playing the slots. My personal favorite is, uh, I just want to talk about this one. The uh, kids shooting balloon game uh, guy uh, rigging the game for um, I'm forgetting her name. I was about to call her Plenty. Uh, rigging the game for Tiffany. Uh, this is like some guy came out of a pervert convention just rigging games for women <laughs> to cheat children. <laughs> Which ends in the most bizarre one-liner I've ever heard in a Bond movie where Tiffany says to some eight-year-old boy, blow up your pants! <laughs> Hey, that was an insult in 1971. That's why she's so good. <laughs> Tiffany is hilarious. Yeah, maybe. It just sounds like a comeback, like when you're fighting with like your brother or sister. Like you are, you are. Oh, you're fat. Oh, your face is a bowl of cabbage. A, if this was a more film, she would have squirted him in the face with the piston. <laughs> Every single week, my nieces always say to me, "They're like last one there." Is smells like stinky bear socks, and now I'm always gonna <laughs> want to say to them, "Blow up your pants." <laughs> bear socks? Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> uh, you mentioned everyone has their favorite moment. You basically mentioned everything, so I won't gel- uh, go over it all. But I love the elephant. <laughs> this is definitely a precursor to Roger Moore films, but. <laughs> The fact that it gets three elephants in, in the thing and they <laughs> so happy with self and coins coming out like I was I, it's something that I know I shouldn't be laughing at 
because I th- should be saying, oh, this is stupid, but I was cracking up. And I actually rewound it and watched it again because I was laughing. So I, like, I think this definitely the better elephant out of this and the man with the golden gun. I So that's my favourite bit. But this whole scene is just lots of little fragments of fun moments, but elephant wins it for me. Ah, oh, this whole scene's fantastic. I just want to really quickly backtrack because I wrote down this specifically for me to mention because it's one of my favourite lines in the movie and the whole scene with Plenty O'Toole getting thrown out the window and all that sort of stuff when Connery's like, I'm afraid you've caught me with more than my hands up. Sorry, I just had to point that out. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, Keeping the this- Danish end up, sir. <laughs> Uh, Bond gets laid too. There's a tick for that. We'll get to that at the end of the movie. But, um, yeah, this whole circus thing's fantastic. The elephant. Oh, it's just brilliant. Um, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Colin, with the whole scene with the little kid. Because I wrote that down and I, I love it, the little kid. When he's like, the machine's fixed. I saw it. Who is she? Your mother? <laughs> I want to know what that kid is doing nowadays. Oh, God. We interview like- him. <laughs> yes, all these other James Bond podcasts have like these big names. We get the kid who was told to blow up his pants. Did you ever blow up your pants? Um, pants ever blown up? Here, his name is Gary Dubin. He's credited as boy. <laughs> Born May fifth, nineteen fifty nine, which would have is made he, him twelve years old. Is he still with us? Uh, it looks like he is, yeah. Um, he's also appeared in, what do we have here? Uh, V, the TV series, uh, Jaws 2, he played Eddie Marchand in Jaws 2. Oh, he's an established actor. Yeah. Jaws 2, that was better than Jaws 3. (laughs) Way better than Jaws 3. Um, the most recent thing he's done, uh, he did some voice work in the Aristocats. Most recently, in 2013, he appeared in Rock Barnes, The Emperor in You. Ah, uh, so overrated. Current occupation, Circus Circus. Now, the question <laughs> I have to ask you, Colin, can you find out his Kevin Bacon number? Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> I'm going to have a lot of criticism for Case from this point on. The first thing I wrote in my notes here is, why is Case even there? She talks about, well, I guess I'm working for the good guys now. What do they need her for? The whole diamond smuggling thing is the only thing she knew anything about, and that's done in the movie. Like, there's no point to that. Like, she's joined the cause now, though. Like, it's unnecessary, but but so is every other character but Bond, pretty much, here, if you wanted to make the case. Yeah, well, again, that's a real issue with the Uh. movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But there's no point to Tiffany being there, and. She's just so She's dumb bad. and overacting. Like, <laughs> I guess I'm one of the good guys now, Mr. Q. Like, yeah, congratulations. <laughs> like, even he doesn't care. Ugh. I will say quickly, to jump in there over you, know, is that it's a good point that Colin makes because if Tiffany isn't kidnapped by Blofeld at the end, they discover the oil rig in Baja. Doesn't just, like, Bond just send the helicopters to blow the shit out of the oil rig without Tiffany there. So if Tiffany's not there... Bond doesn't even need to go there at the end and bang Bob's your uncle, the movie's well, over. He needs to change the tapes. <laughs> well, yeah, true. she didn't do that right. She didn't shoot the machine gun right. Like, she shoot does nothing right. And, and, and again, having read, like, if anybody who's read the books, I don't know how they're just not disgusted with Tiffany Case in this movie because she's so competent. She's easily one of the top three Bond girls in the books, if not, like, maybe even top two behind Tracy. How is she this dumb? Like it's like they took the great character in the book and said, "Let's just make her the epitome of a dumb woman stereotype." Like I will if argue, you say very that good she types. is better than. Oh. <laughs> I'm just saying it. I, no. I mean, if she's Mary better than Solitaire and Mary Goodnight, I quit right on the spot. <laughs> Mary Goodnight. Like first of all, Solitaire. Yeah, she's not really funny, but, I mean, she serves the purpose she has in the movie, and the plot works with her. This plot doesn't work with Tiffany Case. It makes no sense with her being there. Mary Goodnight, I will defend the entire episode. Yay! I know that, I know people's criticism of Mary Goodnight. It's the same criticism people have for Tiffany Case. The difference is, Goodnight is entertaining in it. I don't find Tiffany Case entertaining. Tiffany Case is one of the most entertaining Bond girls out there. Goodnight's hot. what is she entertaining for? Like, oh, I guess there, there's a lot of useless like ones that aren't like 
uh, we'll get to Stacey Sutton. Like, what what purpose does I'm she serve? Worse, but I'm saying the the 70s was really plagued by Kissy Suzuki. You cannot say that Tiffany Case is worse than yes. Kissy I'll say Suzuki. Tiffany Case is worse than Kissy Suzuki. Because Kissy Suzuki could swim. Tiffany can't do anything right. Colin, you're a dickhead. Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, you can't say Suzuki. Did no one just hang up? Noah hung up. Noah pulled anybody, <laughs> any, anybody listening to this who has heard Survivor Oz, Noah has just pulled a Kate on <laughs> But really, this is all just set up for the climax. <laughs> I love... Uh, Baha. Baha? Baha? I haven't got anything Baha. Yeah, the, I love with little uh, Between that and Bert's actually telling me he's fired, Baha is just <laughs> classic Will and White. Uh, other than that, there's not too much to add. Love the Baha line, though. And the oil rig thing, and we'll get into it, but the whole how Bond discovers it and just the whole purpose of it is just bizarre. But anyway. This movie is the best thing to mention Baha since the Baha men released Who Let the Dogs Out. <laughs> Um, Except this came first. So. No, Look what the cat dragged in. <laughs> meow, meow, meow. <laughs> Who let the dogs out came first, Colin. Um, <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> it's not even a joke. Time. It's just wrong. I know. I'm trying to be funny and it failed. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> My humour died with plenty of tool. Rest in peace. Your humour is pointing out that something that came out later came out before. <laughs> Yeah, that's how Ben Waterworth rolls. Um, <laughs> Beto tool. <laughs> Bond has to get Tiffany, so he walks on water to do it. Um, cool little gadget. If anybody has seen, I don't recommend seeing it, but the Avengers movie, not the Marvel one, but the Avengers one with Ray Fiennes and Uma Thurman and Sean Connery, it's pretty much the same gadget they use in Sean that movie. Sean Connery is in it? John Connery's the villain in that. Uh, I do what? not recommend watching that under any circumstances. Yeah, he plays Loki in the Avengers. John <laughs> Connery is the Incredible Hulk when he hulks up. <laughs> you um, want to see me when I'm angry. Hulk smart. <laughs> Hulk smash. <laughs> I do, um... Smashing. Positive smashing. How many more Hulk lines can we come up with? We've said all three. <laughs> Dr. Banner, I presume. <laughs> you wouldn't like oh, her. <laughs> hey, Captain America, what happened? <laughs> what are you doing? Yes. <laughs> On to the climb. I love how that's one of his lines. What are you doing? <laughs> Well, what else does the Hulk say? Famous movie line. <laughs> what are you Hulk. doing? <laughs> Who said this famous line? What are you doing? Oh, the Hulk! Oh, the Hulk! <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. What are you doing, Dad? Hulk! <laughs> Oh, that famous catchphrase. It's it's pretty much like we could say in all honesty, it, it pretty much is the go-to line for Guy Hamilton's random background henchman. What are you doing? What is that? <laughs> is that Hulk's famous line? What is this? A merry-go-round! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to do the opposite now. Hulk quotes Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I was just taking my rap for a walk! <laughs> my name's Plenty, Plenty O'Toole! <laughs> what is this? A perverse convention! <laughs> you expect me to talk, I expect you to die! You just killed James Bond! <laughs> Throw up your pants! <laughs> <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, 007. Uh... Allow me to introduce myself! <laughs> I am Earth Double <laughs> <laughs> Just like Divers Are Forever, this podcast gets a little bit over the top and on acid. There's never happened to the other podcast. Breathe, everybody. <laughs> Are you quarrel? Baby! 
All right. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to move on here, otherwise this is gonna go for three hours and eighteen minutes. If you've listened uh, to any of our other podcasts, this is the time to choose. <laughs> all right, breathe, breathe, right. breathe. Uh, First of all, we we also have the moment with Tiffany and the machine gun. Like I'm gonna say, the worst uh, yeah. any blonde girls ever uh, had. That annoys me. Like she should be awesome at that. She's a diamond smuggler. She should be yeah. noticed stuff. But diamond smugglers aren't often using machine guns in their diamond smuggling, I don't think. Well, Peter so. Franks knows how to escape from MI6. Yeah, I guess. Peter Franks is better at it than Tiffany. And Wint and Kid are quite uh, deadly with most things. Peter Franks, Wint, and Kid all would have made better Bond girls in this than Jill St. John. <laughs> oh. And Mrs. Whistler. And Mrs. Whistler. And uh, I'll even say Plenty O'Toole would have maybe been better than <laughs> Tiffany Case in this. What, what, what about Denise Richards? No. That was perfect. No. We're all finding a that I'll be more critical of. Yeah, well, I think Um, we've talked enough, Tiffany. I love her. You hate her. Ben thinks she's okay. Is Tiffany worse than Jinx? (laughs) No. It's not worse. (laughs) Hey! Uh oh, it's starting all over. (laughs) One other thing. When the movie finished, uh, my wife, who was barely, uh, barely even speaking to me at that point, just turned to me and said they should have called this movie Diamonds Are Disappointment. Um, I kind of like that as a title for it. Unlike men. Unlike what? <laughs> men. I just, you like men? What? <laughs> Unlike men, it's a reference to Shirley Bassey, who sings 1971's Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Yeah. That's really out of context at this point in the show. I'm just going to tell you. Uh, there's another loop we're going to have going into future episodes. <laughs> Noah, I like men. 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 <laughs> I found, especially on rereading it, rereading it after watching the movie this past week, that the character in the book has more in common with the Kananga of the movie than he does with the Mr. Big. So yeah. I, I will say we still have the same villain. They kind of just changed his location and changed his name. Well, if I'm not mistaken, uh, doesn't he have, like, grey skin or something along those lines in the book? And I think that's where they tried to capture it in the movie, but it just looks horrible. Um, I yeah, think he was supposed right. to have, like, a really abnormally large head and his skin tone was supposed to be kind of unusual and grayish like he said uh that was also i mean again if we're talking a little bit about the books the idea of the deformed villains i mean it didn't start in casino royale really this was ian fleming's first attempt to have a weird deformity about the villains which would pretty much just become common in all of them later on and still a better deformity than whisper <laughs> and wasn't he supposed to be Big as well. <laughs> That's one thing. Very yeah, Kodo is good, but I wish they had this like massive, like Fat Albert type guy. Um, as... hey, hey, hey. <laughs> you want Fat Albert? You're complaining about I'll be a great villain. You're like, oh, hey, hey, Mr. Bond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it would have been good if Mr. Big and Kananga were big guys. Still, I'd still probably say if you had a hey, 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 it's better than Whisper. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is, that is Whisper's fast. catchphrase. We just haven't heard it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the introduction of Rosie Carver. Um, Booze. Talk about her oh, in a minute. Yes. Um, and just to end off this scene that we'll talk about is... <laughs> The hat warning with the feathers. and uh, I don't have the full quote here, but he lost a fight with a chicken. What's the full quote there, Ben? You oh, it's just a hat, darling, belonging to a small-headed man with limited means who lost a fight with a chicken. I like to think that's Knickknack's hat. Um, that is the best quote ever. Yeah, that was really funny. Uh, so th- there's not a whole lot going on there, but we can talk about it. But let's talk about Rosie Carver. She is the oh. most useless agent in the history of ever. Uh, I thought uh, Goodnight was bad, but she is just so pathetic. She's got to be the most useless Bond girl ever. Like, no! 
Come on. Like, I'll defend Goodnight in the next movie, but not bloody... Par- what, not Paris Carver. <laughs> <on that. laughs> it's Fuck. It's Rosie one. Carver. Like, Paris Carver's better than Rosie Carver. Elliot like, Carver Stetton. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, my God. I've got a feeling, Noah, that Colin's about to go on some massive <laughs> spiel about how she's better than Tiffany Case. Yeah, like, she is. Oh. oh, no. <laughs> oh, come on. But I, I do love this whole... Scene of Connery in a hotel. Uh, Connery. <laughs> what was he doing there? Um, uh, more in the hotel room. There's something about bloody the seventies. What is it about baths in the seventies? Or does James Bond just not like showers? I was going to mention that. Don't. Yeah, I mean, he's... no, no more bath talk. <laughs> we had Colin and I was in You Only Live Twice. Well, like, I forgot to mention in Diamonds Are Forever, we get the scene when he's in the hotel and he's, like, in a bath and he's got, like, a little table where he's, you, like, going the Vegas, through. You're not... Yeah. And now he's got another table where he's doing the shaving. Like, 70s love their bath tables. Um, I do like the uh, interaction between uh, Bond and Carver. I do love the fact that he burns her. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like with a cigarette lighter, <laughs> and I I love like you mentioned the hat line, but I absolutely love it when she goes in and she screams, "There's a snake!" It's like you should never go in there without a mongoose. <laughs> <laughs> just so good. This is what I was talking before about more. He's he's just got such a unique way of delivering his lines. Like he never seems forced in delivering his one-liners. <laughs> and maybe I might put this out in a limb here: is that Moore's the only one who never really seems. Force like Connery did yeah. it, does it great, Brosnan does it great, but there are ones where both of them do it where you feel like they're forced. Whereas Moore, I don't know if he ever seems like they're forced. They just seem so natural. Man, I, I I'll, I'll get onto Rosa Carver in a second, but uh, I'm supposed to be the one who finds humor in people burning, and I just find it really <laughs> bizarre that you said I love that he burns her when she enters the room like. Just this sick, sadistic person is like, he's burning people now. No more slapping around. <laughs> Room service, burn. <laughs> yeah, the bath. Let's talk about the bath for a second, because I was going to bring that up. We did forget it in Diamonds of Forever. I don't know if it's just that I have a real terrible image of now because of Ben and his bath talk. Um, but <laughs> seeing Bond in a bathtub between Diamonds of Forever and this, it just, it does not work for me. It does not seem like a Bond thing to do, like, I think this is a shower guy. We we need to put a poll up on our site. Does Bond take bubble baths in showers? This just doesn't work for me. Not to mention, what is he doing in the bath? He doesn't get. He doesn't wash his hair. He doesn't wash anything. He's just sitting in water while he shaves. So I don't know. If this is just some random practice he has when he shaves that he needs to get wet from the waist down. But it just oh, it makes no sense to me. Let's just get on to Rosie Carver now. Rosie Carver is kind of that one character that would fit more in Diamonds of Forever because she is kind of a dumb character and she is useless. I mean, but here's my defense of Rosie Carver. I'm going to debate this for a second. When we have Tiffany Case, she is constantly changing sides in Diamonds of Forever and there's no explanation. At least Rosie, we have that explanation later on in the movie. I'm probably jumping a little bit ahead here, but we have the explanation later on for her saying why she's doing this. So the fact that she's useless in a way, we'll get into the explanation more later, but this was all kind of a cover for her. So I'm going to kind of make Rosie Carver sound more intelligent than maybe she should, but she's sort of playing useless at this point because she's supposed to be playing Bond. This woman is jacked too. Like the one disappointment we missed out on is like, she is so ripped. Like she should be the one in the action scenes here. Like I wanted to see her take on Bond in a fight. Uh, not just him flipping her over and her freaking out because she saw a hat. Like she looks like somebody <laughs> who should probably be able to defend herself. I think that, that sums up Rosie's. Yes, character. she saw a hat. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about another character introduced here. There's a great use of the theme here. The what does it matter to you? That kind of theme, instrumental here. Um, and we meet. <laughs> Quarrel Duke. Yay! Oh, really? Yay? Um, yay? It's Quarrel! <laughs> yay? No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Quarrel's spawn. We will point out... Uh, spawn? 
Well, the reason child character exists is because Quarrel is introduced in the Live and Let Die novel, which is the second novel, and then dies in Doctor No. But it just seems bizarre that they felt the need to have this character because they've strayed from the book so much in Diamonds Are Forever, uh, You Only Live Twice. Like, it feels weird that they felt the need to do this, and this isn't even Jamaica. This is Sam Monique. Um, They're neighbours, Noah. And <laughs> was Quarrel 4 when he had Quarrel Jr.? Yeah. <laughs> this guy's older than Quarrel. They start them young in Jamaica, okay? Uh, I'm not a fan. I think it's an insult to the Quarrel name. I think they. I just thought you'd love it. Character. No, I was so upset with this Quarrel Jr. because Quarrel is such... Has so much screen presence and Quarrel Jr. I've already forgotten anything he does and he's just so boring. He has no chemistry. Yeah, no chemistry. Doesn't do anything. He has more stuff than Rosie Carver. Uh, yeah, Quarrel is one of the best uh, allies and Quarrel Jr. sucks balls. I hated him. Um, <laughs> look, yeah, look, I give it to you. Quarrel Jr. is no quarrel. But like, I say yay because it's like, I don't know, I love these continuity things where you get like, oh, they were related to Quarrel. Yay! <laughs> But, um, and I love the fact that later on when he's blowing shit up and there's lots of fire, I'm just picturing him like, that's revenge for my dad. <laughs> ah! To, like, burning field in Jamaica somewhere. But it's random, but I like it. Like, I like the whole situation on the boat where it looks like he's about to choke Bond, and she's all like, oh, where can I get changed? Close off! Like, shut the fuck up. And then... <laughs> that's like, like my then... favourite Rosie Carver moment. <laughs> oh, what, taking her clothes off? The way she says it, where she's like, me clothes off where like <laughs> she's working in the Caribbean. What language does she expect him to be speaking? I thought your favorite bit was where she got burnt. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I love the fact that like when Bond turns around and goes, "You haven't met my friend Quarrel Junior." <laughs> like, uh, anyway, but that's I don't have anything else to add on that. I just love the fact that we got Quarrel Junior. Um, the reason that I think we can't accept this as Quarrel Junior is because. Other than giving him the Coral Jr. name, there is no similarity at all. I mean, this character Coral drives Jr. Drives a boat? He drives a boat. <laughs> he has zero personality. He barely speaks in the movie. The only thing he really has is that kind of weird attitude when Rosie is asking him a question and he's just playing dumb and not wanting to answer. Other than that, I mean, you could have called this a different character and it, nobody ever would have looked at this movie and said, hey, that character... Uh, <laughs> Bert, you know, has is kind of a little bit like Quarrel. I mean, nobody would ever draw those comparisons. If you're going to put Quarrel Jr. in a movie, make him like Quarrel. I mean, it would have been a perfect opportunity. Do more than just give him the name. They should um, have just called him Pinder. Pinder, yeah, or or Pussella Jr. Like Pussella Jr. <laughs> Why don't we have Hans more juniors Jr. here? <laughs> we could have Hans. Jr. <laughs> we know there's no Vargas Jr. because Vargas does not make love. But uh, we could have had some other juniors. Zenya on a top senior. I think you were missing uh, a line there with Rosie uh, with Coral Jr. I wish you went. Do you want me to break her arm? <laughs> uh, call. Maybe. <laughs> Are uh, you Coral Jr.? Maybe. <laughs> The man with the golden gun. Yeah, I, I I think it's great. Lulu sings it. We all love a bit of Lulu. Um, originally was offered to the likes of Elton John and Cat Stevens. Uh, there's a Alice Cooper version that's out there, um, which wasn't used. So um, they went with Lulu, who gives us some pretty suggestive lyrics. Um, I think I mentioned in our intro episode that I like to make up lyrics and just sing random songs, and this is one of those ones that I'm always making up lyrics to and just singing <laughs> to Louise and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, this is a great you song. Can give us a teaser of these lyrics? <laughs> like, like if Louise farts or something, I go, Louise has a smelly bum. Like... <laughs> No wonder she doesn't listen to your show. She just outer is like gas filled. Yeah, you did need to tell us that one. Well, like we've got two kittens and they always doing poos, so like I'm like mittens has a smelly bum. Yeah, whatever. I'm like I twelve. I think you'd years appreciate old. that one more. Just yeah. transfer your embarrassing stories to the cats from this yeah. point on. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Now, whenever you tell a story about the cat, we know what you're really talking about. I don't have cats. Uh, <laughs> 
on the song. <laughs> I, I don't think it's fair to say I hate it. Because um, I can kind of I enjoy it in an ironic way, I guess, because it's so ridiculous, like, compared to Diamonds Are Forever. I mean, Die Another Day, which you just can't enjoy it, period. Um, <laughs> so you can at least enjoy this one for what it is, and it's definitely one that gets stuck in your head a lot. Um and it fits the film quite well, and I'm a fan of Cat Stevens, but I think that would be a terrible <laughs> Bond theme. Ooh, la 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 la, <laughs> Matt Golden with the gun. He's a man with the golden gun. Like, it would be horrible. Use of Islam, as he is, of course, now known. Yeah, um, you said that with such uh, gusto. <laughs> well, I used to just, oh, I used to, when I worked in the music shop, you'd always have people coming out to the counter, do you have any Cat Stevens? And I'd be like, do you mean Yusuf Islam? Ah, you sound like the worst employee ever. <laughs> well, because we had to file it under Yusuf Islam. <laughs> Let's not touch that one. Um... Nobody did. They didn't buy it. They were like, who's Yusuf <laughs> Islam? <laughs> uh, it wasn't, wasn't the best commercial decision, was it? No. <laughs> JW, uh, I'm not a fan of JW even in Live and Let Die, but Noah, you said that he worked a lot better in that movie. And I don't think it was just because of location. I think that the, the humor worked more in Live and Let Die. It just feels so out of place here because the humor's been subtle in Man with the Golden Gun up until this point. And I just feel like every JW scene just runs on and on forever. And I think that's. One of the criticisms people have about Jar Jar Binks in Star Wars is that whenever Jar Jar Binks is on screen, it just runs for five minutes of him doing ridiculous things. And that's all J.W. Pepper is. Like, if have J.W. Pepper give, give his line about the Goonie birds or whatever, or have the elephant picking his pocket or feeling him up or whatever it was doing. But you don't need you know, five straight minutes of JW one-liners, especially when you can barely understand what the man's saying. They could have ended it with him folding in the water and that was just a short cameo. They didn't have to bring him into the car chase. You know, that's a yeah. great comparison, actually, Colin. Yeah, that's like, what I was That's thinking. fantastic. He is Jar Jar Binks of James Bond. <laughs> I want someone to re-edit uh, both the films, Man with the Gun Gun with Jar Jar and um, uh, Phantom Menace with JW Pepper. Misa see you're a no, goonie bird. You're no better than a goonie bird. No goonie bird, Misa Duncan. <laughs> That's a genuine Jedi. <laughs> Naboo. <laughs> I'm on a mission. Tobi, Tobi, let's go visit Queen Amadala. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna go into another Hulk or Fat Albert thing. Yeah, this let, let, let's stop this one. This one. I actually read an interesting thing in regards to the actual show with the whole narration and everything like that. It's called The Sound of Light and it is still shown to this day apparently. So it's an actually it's, really? a, it's a real thing. Like that presentation. Yeah. You can go to it. Field trip. There we yeah. go everybody. We're all going <laughs> to Egypt. <laughs> I'll play Jaws. <laughs> Well, the entire time during the presentation, we're going to sit in our seats, and every once in a while, one of us is just going to go... (laughs) (laughs) Slowly, one will go off, heading into the night, and then another will follow. (laughs) That was the the best impersonation of any music we've done all of these episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Someone has to get their metal teeth, though. do, Do you think they end the presentation now with... Hope you enjoyed the show. Good night. Like, perfect ending to the sequence, too. <laughs> and then they have somebody in the background, nobody does it better. Yeah, I want to go to this show now. That would be awesome. Um, but yeah, like, I would nothing to add. Uh, I love the, the convenience of turning the page, though, to the meeting. That's um, just one thing I'll add. But yeah, it's great. And um, I cringe with the uh, jaws biting through the metal because I have this weird thing which, like, if I see people biting, like, metal or material, it makes me... Something that happens every day. It makes me get the shivers. Like, I just have this... Ugh, just even thinking about Who it right now. metal? <laughs> you know. But, like, I don't know, because I've got, like, sensitive teeth, so if I bite metal, I just... Uh, ugh. <laughs> he never leaves the house, because every time he walks outside and he sees people biting street lamps, he just disgusts <laughs> him, he runs home. Hey, you've never been to West Moon, have you? Um... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
And you mentioned knickknack. Do we not want to see a, like a Jaws knickknack spin-off? Spin-off. <laughs> <laughs> I may be small, but I never forget. Ah. Um, <laughs> An odd job. You have to have odd job too. Yes, odd job. Um, but just so uh-huh. good. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, it would be a pretty boring uh, knickknack. Not much conversation. A lot of acting. Because <laughs> yeah. Jaws and odd job. Ah. I do not understand you. Hans, Hans will come in and do all the talk and whisper as well. Um, yes. <laughs> what? He whispers for the writer. We are going to do an episode of Double Oz 7. What? We each play a character. It's going to be a podcast of Whisper, Jaws, and Odd Job all talking about the henchman of James Bond. It's International Henchman Federation. Double Oz 7. <laughs> what? Uh-huh. 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 I think that there are people who are scene stealers. Like you take a guy like Robin Williams, right? Robin Williams is known for being like a great scene stealer, but Robin Williams is also going to steal the scenes. And there's something that Roger Moore does in this movie with this actress, Barbara Bach, who's not a great actress, <laughs> where he's delivering one liner after one liner after one liner. But Roger Moore gets that the whole point of the scene is that he loses in the end, you know? So we have this string of one-liners, and then she gets the last one where she's, like, shaken, not stirred. And he does this eye roll, but the way Roger Moore does it is he's not rolling his eyes as in, oh, that was bad. He's rolling his eyes as in, oh, I feel embarrassed. She just owned me on that, you know? (laughs) So he he does this scene, and he gets that the punchline is that Bond loses in the end. And I always like that about the scene, that even though she only has one, it's like she beat him. It's like this battle of bad puns. Bond, the idea of Bond feeling flustered and trying to make a comeback. Well, oh, shut up, spy <laughs> girl. <laughs> Woman who's a spy and not as good as me. <laughs> like Bond really no. struggling with his... He used them all up during that <laughs> Yeah, well, you're... And, and your mom and... Well, oh, I killed your boyfriend! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. That's funny. How do you like that, Anya? (laughs) 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 I think her being not the greatest actor works in her favour because it works like she's a cold agent who doesn't have much sense of humour and isn't that expressive. I think it works. That's what a KGB agent probably would be. Um... So I will defend her to the grave. I think she is hands down easily top ten, maybe top five. She's a spy. She does everything well. Um, she's serious but has some funny lines. And all around great. I, I love Anya and I will defend her. I don't think just because her acting isn't that great that she's a bad bonger. I think she's one of the best. Are you defending her because you're a Ringo Starr fan? <laughs> Set the fact controller. <laughs> what? Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, I know that, but like, oh god, <laughs> that's his uh, we had Inspector Gadget and Thomas like... the Tank Engine referenced on this episode. Um, that's what he says all the time. <laughs> I thought you were calling me fat. I was like offended. <laughs> um, it wasn't me. It was Ringo. You took over me. <laughs> Ringo considers you fat, Ben. It's not Noah. <laughs> We have one more segment to get to, uh, which is... Ranking, ranking, ranking. That was your worst performance of it. Yeah, a bit off that one. Sorry, guys. Just um, had a long night. Pick up your game. Yep. But it is a catchy tune, let's be honest. Fatty Astro (laughs) will be covering that next week. Oh, that's Ben's little tune. Yeah, I'm going to start a band called Skinny Esther, so. <laughs> oh, you won't be the front man? Skinny Eden. Ooh. That hurt. <laughs> because you're not a woman and you wouldn't be Esther. That was Ringo that said that. that was Ringo. Wow, this is yeah. Bash Ben because he's fat episode. Ouch. That singer. <laughs> wow. It's a gender Ringo thing, not a weight thing, let's be honest. Uh, okay. Oh, rankings. Oh. <laughs> that pyramid. I'm, I'm not dangling over YouTube a cliff with a tie. What's that YouTube video? Colin is a dick. Is there? <laughs> <laughs> Ringo is a dick. All right. 
we are up to our rankings, and I have to say, I'm so torn on where to put this. Um, I think I know where I'm going to put it, so I'll I I won't you know pause for dramatic effect like uh, um, some others do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the fat one. Jeez, Colin, you're really making some enemies in this last ten minutes. I should just know it's a fat it's ranker. What, it's what, like two o'clock in the afternoon for Ben and Noah? It's almost midnight for me. I've been up since six in the That's morning. Don't so forget to stop picking up. <laughs> in Canada, we have almost to stay polite so long. Canadians are polite. You see what happens when it gets close to midnight now. We're like gremlins. They need their beauty sleep. So we can't put water on Colin. (laughs) So that's my summary. There's just so many good things I can say about this film, and I can easily watch it any time of the day. It's one of my favourites. And hello, car beeping. (laughs) Wow! Anya's here to pick you up now. She's agreeing with you. Somebody out there really wants you to speed this up, Noah. (laughs) I was really putting effort into this speed. That's like if uh, you killed my boyfriend. (laughs) Well, you're 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 actually Bond, like chasing up behind that truck. Beep 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 beep. Tilly's out there wanting you to finish your rankings already. Go hurry up and see Tilly. I think that the interesting thing is that Marvin Hamlish, who did the score, he had just come off of a movie called The Sting, which, you know, most people would know the music from The Sting if they heard it, but it's very traditional and very old school, and this was pretty much the first time... there's a lot of the time... police in that film, isn't there? The police? Like, the band? Yeah. Sting. 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 Uh, oh, oh, Jake fell flat. Bad I th- yeah, I thought you were talking seriously for a second. When Australian humour goes over Canadians' heads, I apologise. <laughs> Canadian humour is, you're fat, you suck at ranking. <laughs> Just like the moon, Ray knows his dream will come true someday. Q is a guy who builds gadgets. He's basically an engineer. Why is he always in these top secret briefings? Like it's it's starting to feel to me like a little bit unusual. Like I can't really picture Barack Obama, you know, calling his car mechanic into the Oval Office as he's discussing foreign policy. Like Q should not be there. Like does he have clearance for this? He's not a spy. Did we establish that he is M. He's in an M mask. Um, yeah. There's got to be some explanation, but yeah, it's just yeah, that's about... actually Ray Fiennes underneath there in a, in a uh, Desmond Llewellyn. <laughs> Been warming up all these movies. Very young Ray Fiennes at this point, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean that's the only real complaint I have. I'm not going to say the only complaint of the movie, but this is something they've been doing for a couple of movies now, and I just I don't understand why he's there, and he always seems to know what's going on in the missions, but like. He should just be there building stuff. I mean, I don't know of any... Well, I don't know of spy agencies in real life anyway, but I would assume that they don't have <laughs> their magic... Canadian spy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I assume that even the Canadian spy agencies uh, probably don't bring their mechanics in for these top-secret briefings. What is the Canadian spy agency called? Just for... Uh, like our version of the CIA is called CSIS, but CSIS. interesting story. Ian Sounds Fleming, like one of the reasons, one of the reasons that Ian Fleming wrote so much about Canada was because uh, he was trained in Canada. There's actually a spy training camp in Canada called Camp X. Oh. That's very famous. Right. Okay. Still didn't go there. Australia's is called um, uh, ASIO. ASIO. Just for uh, ASIO. Yeah. Kids at home. I think if you want to know, Canadians sound like some sort of disease, and Australians sound like something you'd spray mosquitoes. With. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, too many mozzies. Get, get the ASIO, bro. Yeah, and Canadian ceases sounds like some deadly disease. You will cease us and desist. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Shouldn't be making fun of these agents. No, they're probably listening. Like, <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get like door knocks very shortly. Excuse me, sorry. I'm with uh, cease ceases. If we don't come back for your eyes only, you know why. Yes, we'll be coming back for Moonraker. Um, Cable Brandon will return with for your eyes only. (laughs) Aw, fellas.
<laughs> we may not be around much longer. All right, moving on, and we introduced, as we've already mentioned, to Drax's random Asian henchman named Chang. Or, as my subtitles said, Cha, but Wikipedia Char. said Chang. Yeah, that <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, my subtitles subtitle were saying Cha, but Wikipedia says it's Chang, so I guess we call it Chang. Him Chang. The subtitle yeah. guy was just, couldn't type an N, and his N and G buttons weren't working on his keyboard. Well, I thought they were saying Char. cucumber sandwich was wedged in between the N and the G. <laughs> yeah. So, so, Chang, who I'm convinced exists only as a reason to introduce Jaws into the film. Like, that is the only reason this guy exists. And why? Why does he just have a random guy who does not fit in with anyone else there? He's like, did he just travel to, like, China or something, grab him and, like... He's, he worked with Goldfinger. He... Like, he went with Goldfinger on a trip to recruit yeah. henchmen. Like, oh, Asian well, people, no, let's remember... get there. No, go back even more so. Remember Dr. No when Bond knocked out that one guy and he was just wandering around Dr. No's lair? He's like, Chang, you idiot, what are you doing? <laughs> That's him. That's his he dad. He's at the same henchman recruiting agency as Jaws is recruiting well, you from. You were talking about yeah. the Jaws thing. Like they, must, like, they didn't have the internet back then, but they must have some agency like henchman recruiting agency. This is Jenny. <laughs> so, so you want to be a henchman? <laughs> That's a reality show now, isn't it? So you want to be a henchman? Well, it's just... Like, was, like, Strumberg friends with Drax or something? Like, how is his jaws... Uh, we'll get to it. Um, it was on the cover of Henchman Digest. Yeah. They had piano recitals together. <laughs> that face of Jaws on the cover of Henchman Digest. He was Mr. May, <laughs> Henchman of the Year. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so we were introduced to Char slash Chang, Afternoon Tea, and DeFore takes Bond to... Dr. Goodhead, um, a woman. Um, <laughs> Dr. Goodhead, can we just stop? That name is Dr. Goodhead. <laughs> Obviously, it is one of the most blatant innuendos, but I I still think it sounds sci-fi-y. Like, that sounds like a name that would be in a bad 60s sci-fi movie. Am I the only one who thinks that? I think you're the only one who can think logically. The person's name is Dr. Goodhead. <laughs> Like, where's the line named after your mother, perhaps? (laughs) My biggest... I'm going to jump... We're going all over the place here because of good Ed, but... Named after your mother, (laughs) When When she does introduce herself to Bond and Uh. and he's like, you know, oh, oh, I'm Dr. Goodhead. He's like, a woman? Like, he's all surprised. Like, was he hoping to meet a man named Goodhead? Like, where's the surprise coming well, from? Get to that in Skyfall. But this is the thing that I think, in all seriousness, when I say more looks bored, like there's no, like there's the perfect opportunity for some cheesy, like a woman. That's his comeback. Like, well, more didn't write the freaking script. <laughs> I don't know them, but like, oh, uh, how bad was it when Connery wrote that scene in Thunderball? <laughs> but like. There's got to be a play on it. Like, this is the thing. Like, Pussy Galore, like, it's... it's You know what the purpose of that name is. And Connery plays it up. The script plays up to it that if you want to put to it there, you know. And then we have Plenty O'Toole named after your mother. Like, there's always these things. Like, Goodhead is probably the most <laughs> ridiculous name. Like, next thing we're going to have is, like, Mr. Tight Vagina. Like, this, like there's not even... A, like, I think it works that he doesn't make an over-the-top thing because it is such a blatant name. It's an Austin Powers name. It's like a Von Hump a lot or like, you know, a lot of vagina. There's no, there's nothing there to hide it. Like, it, I think it's it should be like pronounced in French or something like, oh, my name good is hair? Good Hair. The D is silent, but it's spelt Good Head. I think it's worse when you say Good Hair. It's creepy. <laughs> Uh, I've written the timestamp here 40 minutes and 30 seconds This is where the film goes downhill Everything up to here was goofy But nothing like this The gondola, super fast gondola Turns into a car Drives onto the roads of Venice While orchestra music is playing while a whole crowd watches Bond in a driving gondola drive past while the man who was in Italy for the (laughs) Lotus is drinking alcohol is there. A waiter is pouring water onto a guy. 
and a pigeon <laughs> does a double take at what is happening because I'm with the pigeon. This is whack. Um, you forgot. You forgot how it ends, where the gondola suddenly turns invisible. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all while this great orchestra music is playing, um, the pigeon just can't believe its eyes. <laughs> what it's seeing here, um, and. He continues on his way and no one calls the authorities and no one views this as anything too crazy because he continues to stay in Venice. Uh, he doesn't get deported or anything for having a super fast car gondola. And the pigeon, while it only lived for one more year after the making of this film, never saw anything quite as crazy as that. Um, <laughs> I haven't actually talked about this scene, but I think my tone and expressions pretty much sums up my thoughts on this scene. Can I just point out that at this point we're still watching a James Bond movie like <laughs> <laughs> I'd lost for words that this is just ridiculous. Like Noah started off perfectly by saying a chance meeting with good head. Well I wish all our meetings went that way. But like it's like I'm just gonna skip over everything until we get to the is, is it is it a hovercraft or is it a car? I thought it was a hovercraft. I think it, it turns into a hovercraft. Like, yeah. Oh, same difference. It's a freaking gondola. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we need to debate the science but, fact of this gondola. But look, I just want to point out again in my long winded defense of Die Another Day, it's gonna take us twenty episodes. Like people bag out the invisible car. It's at least explained in a Q scene or an R scene. This just comes out of nowhere. Like, as I said, he's chilling in Venice. He gets dead coffin guy coming after him. Again, he's a bad habit of hanging around funerals with people trying to kill him. That was Morton Sutton. <laughs> and then he's just, you know, got super speed gondola that just happens to have hovercraft. Of, like, who thinks of this? Like, when? In 19... Was a hovercraft new in the 70s? <laughs> Can we get the music? There we go. Like, and the, this, this scene is just summed up by a freaking pigeon. Like, giving a double <laughs> Why? Why is and there a pigeon? <laughs> it's like the worst editing sliced together where it's the same shot, just repeated. I love, I love random alcohol guy again in it. Like, I think that's a hilarious, and he comes back like it's a kind of a running joke. Well, it makes sense because they're both in Italy as well. So it's not like it's completely out of the realms of possibility. Because, you know, like there are things that like a fantastic, but you have fucking James Bond on a hovercraft gondola driving through the streets of Venice just like fucking like oh I can't I can't fathom how this made it into a Bond film this should be an Austin Powers film or something like that like this movie is just ridiculous this is my favourite part of the whole movie up until this point and I don't think the boat chase works at all as an action sequence but the second it turns into a hovercraft I'm totally on board. <laughs> like, I love this. The, the, the pigeon double take, like, this is completely absurd, but somehow this is the one point in the movie where the humor really works. And I think that Roger Moore is bored because he doesn't have anybody to play off of. And if they had just had the pigeon on his shoulder the whole movie, this this would have <laughs> been a top ten instantly. What's that pigeon? Psychic. That's, that's the new Pete, quarrel. Pete the pigeon. Or, uh, Karen Bay and Quarrel, we've got Pigeon. Oh, I don't know, Pete. Let's take a left up here. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to add, Colin? Uh, um, no, I think it pretty much speaks for itself, doesn't it? I love the Although fact Colin played the music. That music. You, have to, you have to love the Double Take Pigeon just because it is <laughs> the it, most mental thing we'll ever see in a James you Bond film. The and I have to say again, just, just really quickly... <laughs> you mentioned the, you mentioned the editing, Noah. Like it's just the the fact that you see this pigeon turn its head, and they clearly rewind the footage backwards <laughs> to play it again. Like it's not even a seamless cut there. Like they've just like. Rup, rup, rup. like... Well, I have to wonder: were they looking through the footage when they put that in? They're like, we got a shot of a pigeon. We can do a pigeon double take. Or was Lewis Gilbert one day? It's like. 
I know we're three weeks behind on schedule, but you guys are going to point that camera at that pigeon until it does a double take. And eventually they're like, we give up. We'll fix it in editing. Uh, I think we're all missing Peter Hunt at this point. Um, Well, I actually think it's been firmly established that John Glenn is responsible for the pigeon double take, which... One and of they his gave men. him the next movie to direct. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that pigeon well, You did so well at that uh, pigeon double take. Do you want to take for your eyes only? <laughs> it must include yeah. at least three pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> One of his many great contributions to the James Bond. We need show. a pigeon count, starting from Moonraker. <laughs> the, the replacement thing for Chang is funny for me because... It is kind of like he's just calling the staffing agency, you know. <laughs> uh, now I'm now I'm kind of viewing this scene like, you know, where he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. The last guy you sent me, uh, Chang, you know, it just didn't work out with him. He's dead. So you have some best. They're like, well, they're they're like Chang. Uh, we have you down. That you had a chaw. It's like chaw. I've been calling him like, Chang for the last. I'm making an idiot of myself. I called the wrong family. Oh no. I called Chang's family, not Charles. You've really got to stop importing these henchmen because they're no good as the homegrown ones. Uh. Enter Dolly. And love at first sight with the music and everything where Jaws falls in love with Dolly. And through the rest of the film, she becomes... Jaws, the sinister henchman from the Spy Love Me's girlfriend. <laughs> I, um, uh, yeah, which, fun fact, when I was a kid, I always thought um, that Dolly was a little girl. Um, <laughs> well, she is compared to Jaws. How innocent I was compared to what is that this- would be like nowadays if that was actually a little girl. <laughs> So this, so this eight eight foot tall giant spots this little girl and suddenly becomes like the pedophile of a Bond movie. <laughs> well, my my justification was oh. there. We go. Yes. I know. Let's just uh, most stereo- pedophilia in James Bond. Music <laughs> we all pictured at that moment, wasn't it? So stereotypical music used. Um, I'll let you speak about this scene, which starts good, ends horribly, Ben, but um, I just want to bring up something I read on Jaws, the character, and how he changed, because I was reading about this, and apparently Lewis Gilbert, when they brought back Jaws, he got a lot of letters from kids saying, why can't Jaws be a goodie rather than a baddie? And Lewis Gilbert's just, okay! So if you ever want Lewis Gilbert to do something for you, you just get a freaking kid to write him a letter and he'll do it. Like, I love the idea that, like, five kids wrote a letter to him saying, make Jaws good, though he just did it. Like, what was he on? Like, this is the And who was the kid again. that wrote a letter to Lewis Gilbert saying, can you make Jaws a pedophile? And <laughs> I really am turned on by Jaws, signed eight-year-old girl. Uh, but it's just mental that he would get a letter from a kid and say, oh, good idea. Like... From here on out, I don't have a lot of good things to say about it. I hate this love story thing, and I think this is the worst part of the movie, even worse than going to space. Well, I, my biggest question is what parents are letting their kids watch James Bond movies? Like, you know, they had ratings back in the 70s, didn't they? Like, sh- Well, I'm pretty sure we all established in our introduction episode we started watching when we were kids. Ah, it's so a different I'm time sure in the getting- 2000s and the 90s. Our parents were worse then. Um <laughs> Parenting had gone out the window in the late 80s, Noah. Come on. <laughs> this is still a time, Overrated. time of innocence. Um, I I actually really enjoy this cable car scene. I think it's great. And yeah, it starts good. One of the, the few highlights of the movie, I think. It's it's fantastic. And I want to go to this cable car, not to, like, die, but, like, it looks <laughs> awesome. Like, this whole... Just put a 7-up. Yeah, have the 7-up on that cable car. It looks fantastic. My question is, like, why does, why does Jaws bite the rope or the cable or whatever it is it doesn't achieve anything like he's already stopped you it. and your metal biting well i th- i thought it looked like a rope was that metal or was that rope because i thought it was rope do the brazilians use metal. rope to hoist up their cable <laughs> well you know again <laughs> got like 10 brazilians down there heave heave <laughs> 
I don't want to comment on Brazilian labor laws in 1979, but, um, but anyway, like, Ronaldo, pull faster. Um, I don't, I don't get why he bites it because it doesn't achieve anything. Anyway, that's just my question. Again, when you brought up, like, how do you make a cable car go that fast? Like, they're traveling at pretty good speed with like, this. I think it was the same manufacturer as the gondola. Well, where, where's the sparks coming from? James Bond, like, going down this giant steel cable with metal. Like, surely there'd be sparks flying. Probably more sparks flying between him and Holly. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting ending, like Bond and that jumping down, and like obviously the whole cable car headquarter thing down the bottom isn't that far away from the ground. If they can jump off that low to the ground, but the whole love sequence, like I'm sorry, if you thought she was a little girl, then she had the biggest boobs of any little girl that I ever saw. Like fucking I'm hell, six. Well, Jesus, if six year olds had boobs like that, I want to go back to primary school. I didn't say she was six. <laughs> anyway, um, it. Oh my god, the, the, this episode is <laughs> taking a moon rake. This episode is the moon rake from 007. Um, <laughs> How appropriate. But the one question I have is the meeting. It's like they meet, it's love at first sight. Then, yeah, they hold hands and run away together. Like, <laughs> fucking hell. Like, we thought Bond's influence over women was strong. Like, Somebody call the cops. Like, this chick has taken one look at him. They're holding hands and going off for a quickie in the bushes. Like, fucking hell. <laughs> The name's Dolly. Dolly Goodhead. I don't know what what would Shaw what would Shaw's gimmick be? I mean, Chang's got the bull cut. Jaws has the steel. Everything Shaw has to have something. Well, apparently, everyone in this film is whispering. Like they missed <laughs> yeah. whisper. Shaw just yells everything. <laughs> well, we, we established ah! that Whisper didn't die in that uh, rocket thingy, so maybe Whisper has a Dolly mask on. <laughs> Yeah, and Jaws yeah, actually right. fell in love with <laughs> <laughs> and, overweight and African American. He's lost, lost a bit of height and lost a bit of weight as well. Um, yeah. Well, he wanted to look presentable for his boyfriend Jaws. <laughs> he went on the Atkins diet. It really worked for him. Uh, I I don't mind. <laughs> it still wouldn't be the silliest thing to happen in this film. <laughs> could, you, could, you, could you imagine Whisper like a dinner table? No, I can't eat that. I'm on a diet. <laughs> what? I said no. I you can't want eat. Me to fry it. <laughs> Too much no, I'm on a sugar. diet. Too much <laughs> oh. Why are we back on Whisper? Uh, I don't know. The scene with Jaws and the here's to us, like. I always want to see him try to kiss her and just his teeth get in the way. Like we could see some hilarious scene where Jaws goes to kiss his girlfriend and just inadvertently bites her lips right off of her face. Because this man's just not prepared for what's going to happen. Followed by the facial expression. Yeah. Like how did he. The bloodiest (laughs) kicky ever. (laughs) Yeah. Like you really do question how do they have a relationship at this point? Like this man can't do anything. Um, He's got steel junk in his. Front, uh, he's got steel teeth. Can't She's kiss broken. her even. She is broken. Yeah. Uh, Who is what? she, by the way? She's Dolly. She's why is she on the spaceship? She sounded like a cold yeah, figure gangster. Is... Who is she? I don't like this. What an up? Like, who is this <laughs> white woman who was just in Brazil at the right point, at the right time? Then she's on the rocket and she's in love with him. Who is she? <laughs> you know, they also don't have any uniforms like everybody else because clearly they don't make them that big or that small so they have to go and in why street. doesn't she talk <laughs> I have another question and again this is I'm, I'm, I'm going to get into this before we get to the ending but why is Manuela in this movie she just disappears <laughs> completely why isn't she helping it Bob hadn't gotten laid in 20 minutes <laughs> We're just bringing up every plot hole we can. But again, a... you were, you're going off at me for nitpicking about Navy commanders going into space. Like, Who is she? Where's that? <laughs> well, she's an important, integral part of this film. Which Dolly one? Or Dolly, the Navy command. Well, Dolly, she's the one who helps them escape. Well, she doesn't. Well, she I just points she and them. Yeah, she whispers to Jaws, go and bend the pole. <laughs> 
But the alternate part of this is where Vaughn is inside. Jaws, we need your help to break free. And he goes, and she's like, no, no, no. Step aside, Jaws. I got this. She does whisper to him, though, and then he gives that bizarre thumbs up. But this begs the question, though. Does Dog suffer from the same syndrome as Whisper? Because (laughs) clearly she can talk. Like, she whispers in his ear, but why can't she speak out loud? Shang, Whisper, and Dolly are not verbal. What the There's no one else around. Why didn't she just say to him? Why does she have to whisper it into his ear? What? Uh, It's your champagne. (laughs) What? Here's to us. (laughs) Again, we're analysing this scene while they're in space. After just having a laser battle, and this is the bit that annoys you? Uh, I get done with this ending bit, thank God. Yeah, I think we're all done with this ending bit. We've lost the plot of this episode. 